Morning, everyone. After last week's uh, message on, on uh, money and possessions, I had three people offer me their boats after the service. And uh, so after much prayer, I decided to preach on money and possessions again. But we're going to change the examples to a brand new minivan, tickets to a Patriots game, and snowmobile, okay? Just so if you're praying about it. So, so we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. So we did Matthew 6, 19 to 24 last week about laying up your treasures in heaven rather than on earth. We're going to skip over a couple of sections now, not because we're missing them, but because they were already preached on. A few months ago, Chris Piazza did a great message on uh, verses 25 to 34 when he, talked, when he talked about not worrying. And uh, also several months ago, Tom did one on the first six verses of chapter 7, uh, about judging, and many of you will remember that good message as well. And so we're skipping ahead. I promised you that we would get done before Christmas, so we're, we're getting there. We're finally into chapter 7, okay? And so today is verses 7 to 11, and uh, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's a passage of Scripture that we've talked about a number of times here at Southern before in various points. It often comes up, but I don't think we've ever done a full message just on this section of Scripture. It's about asking, seeking, knocking. And some of you might be thinking, didn't we just talk about prayer a few weeks ago? Uh, and, and we did, because in chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer. We spent a few weeks there. Um, but the thing is, so you say, well, we just talked about prayer, but that's the thing. This is Jesus' message. We're just working our way through it. And he comes back to prayer again and again because it's, it's a hugely important issue to him. And uh, particularly this passage today, uh, Jesus, this is an amazing passage of Scripture and some amazing promises. So I'll, I'll just read it to you and you can follow along on the screens behind me. But Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? It's an amazing passage of Scripture. And you just notice some of the words in there. Ask and it will be given to you. Everyone who asks receives. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Some unbelievable promises in this passage. And I know we have some, we, you know, so I preached here this morning. We've got a bunch of people here this morning. And there's different groups of people. Some of you, you're sitting here today. You're right in the middle of a crisis. And you have huge needs in your family, uh, maybe in your finances, in your health. And just seeing this verse, this, this verse is like, uh, a glass of water to a man dying of thirst in a desert, to someone who's in desperate need of a miracle, this, you're, it doesn't almost matter what I say. I just read this verse, and this is a message that you are going to soak up. Some others of you here today, you don't have an issue like that right in the front of your mind right now. But there are probably some things in your life, if I went back, if we went back a few months, if we went back to prayer and fasting month, uh, you know, in January, it's like, uh, whatever that is, 10 months ago now. Or if I went back a year, if I went back six months, I'd probably find that if we just scrape 
the surface a little bit, I'd probably find that there are. You actually do have some big desires, some really big things you would love Jesus to do in your life. And you did go for a little bit to really pray about it. And you, were, you had faith and you thought God was going to do something. But somewhere along the way, you just kind of lost it. You just, in the disappointment, in the waiting, you just kind of forgot your prayer request. And now you just kind of have this layer of forgetfulness and apathy and disappointment over these other prayer requests. But if I just scratch below the surface just a little bit, I would find that you do actually have. It might not be, for some of you, it's right there. Like, I read this passage and you're like, oh God, I need you to do X. But for some of you here today, if I just scratched a little bit and I reminded you of some things and we probed a little bit and you went back a few months, you would find things that you desperately desire from God. You just have, you've just pushed them away and they're gathering dust. And then, of course, some of you here today, you're just so busy in your lives and You've never really prayed about anything. You maybe don't feel like you have a lot of needs and so you've just never thought about it. But whatever group you fall into today, this passage is an invitation. Jesus is inviting us here. He's saying, please ask me to do something for you. Please. This is not, I mean, he just, he, th- this whole passage is a plea from Jesus. This is the Father's heart. He loves for his children to come to him with big requests, medium requests, small requests, ask him things, and then he can give to us. He's asking us. He's daring us. So this is not a, this is not a theological passage, okay? This is not, and I, you know, sometimes I wonder if any of the Bible passages are really meant for that, but certainly this passage is not a theological passage. This is not, you don't need this passage to understand theologically the plan of salvation or atonement or the resurrection or the nature of sin or free will and sovereignty of God. You don't need this passage for any of that. This passage is not a theological uh, passage. This is not a passage where, you know, it's on a test somewhere and you've got to pass it or no. This is not a passage for your mind. This is a passage that must be experienced. What a waste it would be for us to spend a morning studying this passage and going over it, and if it only got into our heads and we had no intention of actually leaving from here today and jumping in. It'd be like a guy who spends money on a pool, and he puts a pool in his backyard, and in the middle of summer, it's hot, it's humid, he's soaked with sweat, he stands at the side and he tells you the science between how water evaporating off your skin, if you jumped into that pool and came out, it would cool you down, it would feel refreshing, and he would tell you all the science of it, and then turn around soaked in sweat and walk away from the pool. And you'd say, knowing what that pool will do for you, is, means nothing. It gives you no brownie points. It does nothing for your faith. It does nothing for your relationship with God. The only thing that matters is to actually jump in and cool down and be refreshed. Same with this passage. If we're just here today to hear Matthew 7, 7, 11, oh, we've heard that verse before. You know, it's kind of a popular passage. If our intention isn't to go home and ask, seek, knock, and receive from the Father, then it's a complete waste of time. Because this is not a test question up here. This is the Father saying, if you're my kids, I want you to come to me and talk to me about everything so that I can give to you. And so this is what we're going to do to start. Because I would hate to waste your time. I'm glad you came and you had the offering, so that was good. And you got to give us some money. But I'd hate for us to waste the rest of the service and just have you sit there like students in a class and then go home and go, oh, so it was a mess. Oh, it was this neat thing. You know, if you ask God, you'll receive. But you didn't go home and get on your knees and say, Lord, I need from you. So what I want you to do is, whether it's a phone or you got a, a P3 
piece of paper. You can take a card of the chair in front of you. You can take an envelope. But I want to crystallize this, that as we go through this message, because like I said, some of you, it's right there. The thing you need from God is right there. Some of you, you have to probe a little bit, so I want to give you a second. But I want you to write down somewhere on your phone, on a piece of paper, on an envelope, on your hand, whatever it is. I want you to think for just a moment, and I want you to write down, if Jesus himself were standing up here today, and he said, you can ask me anything. Wait a minute. He does say it up there, doesn't he? But if he stood here physically and said, you can ask me anything this morning, think about it for a moment, don't waste it. Or two things, he even throws it in because he's just got such a father's heart and he's so generous. Okay, fine, you can ask me two. Because maybe you just, you don't want to stop at one. But don't just throw the spiritual one. Oh, you know, Aunt Gertrude, who I haven't seen for five years, I really hope she gets saved. That's a good one to pray sometime too. But that's not the one I want you putting down here today. Unless that really burdens your heart all the time, then do it, okay? But I'm talking about what is the thing that really matters to your heart? I want you to write it down. If you could ask Jesus, I want you to write it down. I want, because there's something about writing it down. There's something about crystallizing it in your mind. That as we go through this message now, there's something I need to seek Jesus about. And he has invited me to go to him and talk to him about this. And it makes it concrete. Of course, if it's too private, some of you, I, I totally get that too, some of you. Maybe it's something you, you don't want to write down. I mean, you put, put initials or put you know, letters that you'll understand and nobody else will. It doesn't matter to me. But it, just to crystallize it. I know what it's like to have very personal requests. I mean, some of my favorite requests I've ever had God answer are so personal, you know, outside of Ladon. Nobody else will ever know about them. But I've had some amazing requests. I get that too. You might just put it down, whatever it is. I'll just give you a moment. Just put it down. Don't be afraid. Okay? Nobody's going to laugh at you for doing the right thing. Okay? But we're going to pray now. And as you think about it, you just put it down. We're going to pray to start this message, and I'm going to talk about this. Lord, even now, stir up in our hearts. You have said, ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given to you. And you didn't make a mistake when you said this. It was an invitation for us to experience you. It was, an, it was an invitation for us. We talk about loving you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, but the fact of the matter is, unless we experience you, we can't love you. Part of loving you with everything that is in us is going to you and asking you things, receiving from you, and out of that joy springs a real love. So as I preach today, Jesus, I have no desire to teach a lesson on this passage. I have only one desire that myself and everyone here will go home and be encouraged to get onto our knees and seek you and see you do great things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I hope you have that one or two big things right now. And you can think about them and you can feel them as we go through this message. But Jesus says there in verses... 7 and 8, ask and will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and will be opened to you for everyone. I want you just to think of that word, everyone, for everyone. This is why I had you write something down. Some of you feel you're too unspiritual. You don't pray enough. You're not good enough. You don't fast enough, whatever it is. You don't feel like you match up to some other people in the church that you consider to be super spiritual. So you don't think God will answer your prayers. You might not say that consciously, but subconsciously, that's how you feel and you don't approach him. But I want you to notice what it says there. For everyone 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. This is a mind-blowing promise. And the thing you have to realize is, this didn't happen because Jesus got a little out of control. It's not like, you know, he started exaggerating a bit. He, had a, he was having a real good day. Everybody was saying amen while he preached. He got a little carried away, and then he exaggerated a bit, and he made a promise. Later on, he's like, I might have gone a bit far with that one. I went a bit further than what I'm actually willing to carry through on. It's not an accident. He didn't exaggerate. He didn't make a mistake. In fact, as I was looking on my, on my uh, Bible program, I was reading through this verse, my Bible program, and, and it lit up, the, the cross-reference thing, lit checker, lit up on the word ask. And so I just clicked on it, and I was shocked by how many times in the Gospels Jesus makes this same exact promise. Like, this is, not, this is not a one-time thing. It's a little bit out of context. Jesus got a little carried away, and that's what this promise is, and so let's just tone it down a bit. He made this exact promise in almost the identical form at least half a dozen times in the Gospels, not including other times where he talks about it with different words, but at least half a dozen times with basically the same words, he makes this exact same promise. And I just want to take you through it because you have to see how important this is to Jesus. Did you know it's actually important? You want to love Jesus with your heart, whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? One of the ways you fall in love with him is to go to him with things you need. He answers your prayer requests, and you grow in love. It's actually an important part of your, your, of your walk with Jesus is to go to him, ask, and receive. So let me just show you a few because I just want to prove to you this is not a mistake Jesus made. Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. We'll talk about that faith thing a little bit later. Therefore I tell you, Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I mean, these are just, these are stunning promises. John 14, 13, 14, excuse me, whatever you ask in my name, I mean, that is just such a wild promise again. Everyone, whatever, 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 whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Starting to get the picture yet a little bit? Can you think of that prayer request I had you just write down just now? What was it about? A family member? Situation? You're in desperate need? You need guidance? You need wisdom about something? You need direction? Something about your health, whatever it is. I just, whatever it is that you're thinking of, that it is that you need, I want you to look at these, these promises are unbelievable. John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Notice Jesus doesn't throw in all kinds of caveats. We come along years later and we throw in the caveats, right? But Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. I love that word wish because sometimes we get bogged down into. And we talked about this during the Lord's Prayer thing about we try to be spiritual. We try to pray the things we think God wants us to pray. And Jesus says, I want you to come to me with your heart. I want you to be real with me. See, so he doesn't say, come to me and ask me whatever I want you to ask. Now, ultimately, when you're walking with him, those hearts are going to come together and some of that stuff happens. But sometimes we're overthinking it. It's like, I, I want to just pray some kind of spiritual prayer that God wants me to pray. He just says, Ask me whatever you wish. Come to me with what you really want. And it will be done for you. 
Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, two of you agree on earth about anything they ask. So if you bring someone else in on your prayer request, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. John 16, 23 to 24. Truly, truly, I wonder if you're convinced yet that this was a common theme in Jesus' teaching. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Okay? And again, the thing I want you to notice is, especially as teachers, we sometimes get up and we take these passages and, and we're trying to break them apart and show you all kinds of neat points and yada, yada, yada. And, but one of the things that I was praying as I was getting ready to do this message is, Lord, I can't make this complicated because you didn't make it complicated. And sometimes we teachers, we come along, we want to put, here's four steps and three steps and blah, blah, blah. I want you to just notice that Jesus doesn't put steps in there. He doesn't put all kinds of caveats. We know it's, we know it's got to come out of relationship. We know, it's, we know he's not some magic, you know, slot machine in the sky that I can just say stuff and boom, I, have, I, need, a, I need 500 bucks because I want to go on an expensive date. I can do that. We know that's ridiculous. Jesus just assumes that in there too that we know that's ridiculous. It's got to come out of relationship. But once you just assume that relationship part, he doesn't make it complicated. He doesn't put all kinds of caveats in. If, 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 you've got to have this right. You've got to make sure you ask exactly the right spiritual request. And then he just says, come to me with your heart and watch what's going to happen. Whatever you ask. I want to do it. So the question then is, if Jesus said that everyone who asks receives, okay? So if Jesus was serious about these promises and we no, he was. He repeated it over and over and over again. And we know he can't be wrong about these promises. He's the son of God. For him to be wrong about anything would destroy our entire faith. So if he's not wrong about these promises, if he's serious about these promises, then the question is, if everyone who asks receives, if everyone who asks receives, why do so few of us or why do so many of us have so few answers to prayer? That's the question, right? I mean, these are incredible promises, but why do so many Christians have so few answers to prayer? Why? If he's right about this, which he has to be, why so few? Well, a couple of points here, and I'm not going to make this complicated. I promise you I wouldn't. There's not a whole bunch of steps to getting this. I just want to show you why the promise, there's a gap between the promises and our experience. And the first reason why we don't see as many answers to prayer as we should see judging by the promises is because in order, in order to experience these promises, you actually have to ask. I mean, it's a duh. He doesn't say everyone who's a believer receives. Everyone who just gives their life to me and goes to church every week will receive whatever they desire. No. He says, everyone who asks. Everyone who asks. See, just being a believer and come to church every week and you think, oh, my marriage is in shambles. I really wish it would change. I really wish this situation at work would change. I really wish this situation with my son or daughter or whoever would change. I really wish it would be different than it is. 
Wishing does not bring receiving. Have you gone to God and talked to Him about that? Have you asked Him about that thing? Everyone who asks, you have to actually ask. The fact of the matter is, some of us, it's just pure too busy. We just have our lives so full of stuff, we don't even have time to think of the things we need. They just become this sort of background noise of anxiety in our lives, these things that aren't quite right with our lives, but we don't even take the time to stop and realize what a big mess we're in, and we certainly don't take the time to actually pursue God and ask Him about these things. Not just once at sale, I asked someone once, but to pursue Him about these things. James says this in the middle of a passage. I wish we had more time for James. James actually does a whole section on why our prayers aren't answered and he's very likely thinking about these promises in the Gospels, almost for sure. He's thinking about, because, I mean, he, he walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus. And he's thinking about these promises Jesus made, and now he's talking to the church. And he's saying, this is why your prayers aren't getting answered. He's got a couple of different reasons why. We don't have re- uh, time to get into all of them. But the first one, he says, is this, James 4, verse 2. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. See, you would think, I mean, if you look at those promises, let's say a person from outside Christianity who knows nothing about Christianity, someone comes and shows them the promises of Jesus, you would think, oh my goodness, these are the most wild, amazing, incredible promises I've ever seen. And that person would probably think, if I met a Christian, that Christian must love asking their God for stuff, for help for assistance, for supernatural provision. Those, those, those Christians must love it. But James says, you have not because you ask not. The truth of the matter is, many Christians don't do that. You would think our most basic instinct would be to ask God. And yet for many of us, it's not. We have spiritual things. Now, it, we all have spiritual requests we ask God about. At the prayer summit in that cell, we pray for that family member whatever. They're not saved. They're not this. They're not. So we have our spiritual requests. We have our, my devotions aren't going well requests. And then we spend the rest of the time complaining about, at work, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, I don't know what to do. Have you prayed about that? Why would I pray about that? It doesn't even cross our mind. You would think it would be the most basic instinct. I'm overwhelmed. Okay? Oh, man, I've been having so much problems the last month with this one child, they're just very rebellious. Have you prayed about it? Oh, it's not a bad idea, actually. I think of it. <laughs> it should be our most basic instinct. Our most basic instinct. Anything that stresses you out is an excuse to go and talk to God and experience Him again. Any stress, any overwhelm, any nervousness, any fear. This morning again in my, in my devotions as I was spending time with the Lord and not thinking about the message. I don't pray about the message in my devotions on Sunday morning. It's the last thing I want to think about anymore at the end of the week. And uh, so I'm just spending time with the Lord, not thinking about this at all. And I was just feeling kind of dry. I, Lord, I'm, why? It's just, ah, I'm just not feeling, not feeling connect today. And all of a sudden he showed me. He's like... You got four worries that are just buzzing around in the back of your head. All not big ones, they're just kind of small, but they're just buzzing around the back of your head, and you haven't talked to me about those things. Oh, I said, you're right, Lord. I'm coming to you about that right now. 
And I just told, I came to him, I said, Lord, I'm going to this, 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 this. And you just talked to him about your worries. And the next thing you know, oh, and he's answering and direction and hope and promises. That is what walking with God is. And even me, all of us, we just tend to forget sometimes to go to him with those things. Some of the stories I have in my life, I, I can't share. Some I've shared before. I'm thinking again, uh, one that I've shared before, but because I, mean, I, I don't want to share some of the big ones. Because uh, the big ones, and you think, oh, you're always so super spiritual and God does these huge miracles. But it can just be small and medium things too. A number of years ago, we, we were trying our own thing with vacation. And for a couple of summers, we just, did our, we, we just figured out our own places. We, why would we pray about that? It's a vacation. That's not spiritual, right? And so the family vacation spots we found were dirty, expensive, full of bugs, and the water was nasty, okay? So as, as family vacation spots go, they were awful. We did that two summers in a row, and then we're like, Lord, help us. So prayer and fasting month, we prayed because we knew, we knew a place that was good for family. We prayed about it, and I've shared that story before. Within that month, God had set us up with that. We've been going there ever since. Radical life, you know, just different. Just changes the way we do it. Oh, asking your seat. You can even ask about that stuff. You bet. A few weeks ago, uh, LaDonna and I praying. Uh, my son Charlie, he's a smart kid. He's learning to read, okay? And, uh, and doing very good. He's, he's, he's very bright. But his, he was really locked into this thing that reading is work. Reading is something I do during school time and only because you make me, Okay? Reading is not something I do outside. So, so he, during his school time, he could read, grudgingly, but he could read. Um, but then the moment you, the reading time was over, you show him a cereal box, you show him a, a road sign, can't read it at all. I don't, I don't know. Why, why would I read it? I don't read it. So we're like, yeah, you know, this is kind of hindering his progress. At a certain point here, he has to click in. Reading is good. And you can read everything, and there's words everywhere in life. So we prayed about that. We didn't pray and fast about it. There's things you've got to pray and fast about. And there's things that are just smaller, and you, and you wait. If he was 18 still doing that, maybe we'd pray and fast, okay? <laughs> so we just prayed about it. Just, we just, the two of us together at dinner table the one night, Lord, ah, I pray that Charlie would start to like to read and catch on that this is all life. It's not just school time. It's not just a school discipline. You know, I, it was two or three days later, not, not more than three, just a couple days later that very week, I come home from church. Ladon shows me this reader, She's like, he read this. I'm like, well, well, cool. I mean, I knew he could read that kind of stuff. He read it in his school time. She's like, no, no, he didn't do it during school time. He, this was during his free time. He also just picked up a book during his playtime and just sat down and read it. I was like, wow. Of course, we didn't say anything to him. We didn't want him to catch on to anything. <laughs> the next day was the next day or the day after that. She goes downstairs during their quiet time in the afternoon, and he was reading a chapter of his Bible to Eden, his younger sister. Now, by the way, just so you know, so you're going, wow, Chris's kids, you know, they're five years old, they're three years old, they just read the Bible, they just love reading. That's like the only time it's ever happened, okay? <laughs> it's, not, it's not super spiritual in our house. I just, I wanted to put that on you. And then, and then it's just been, now he's reading cereal boxes, he's reading signs. A couple days ago, we had some people over our house for supper. Twice during the evening, we watched, like my mouth just about falls open as he took a, a, one of the younger kids aside and read him a, a story t two different times in the evening. Totally changed. Why? You, you have not because you ask not. Have you talked to God about it? Have you talked to God about it? I could go on and on. My journal is full of little things, medium things like this, and also some big things are, are, are always our basic instinct. Now, of course, again, some of the things we're doing are bigger. You're saying, okay, so anytime you just pray about something, immediately, it, whatever you said, it just happens, Chris. Well, no, 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 no. 
Some things are bigger and some things are smaller. And some things, you know, you have an adult kid who you want to get, they want them saved or a teenage kid you have problems with. Uh, you, it might, this might be a longer term uh, prayer thing. But have you even thought to put aside a week and seek God's face about it and pray and fast? Like bigger things sometimes take a bit more, right? But have you even thought to really pursue God? Well, I prayed about that once, you know, a year and a half ago. I did, I did go on a kick for three weeks and pray about it, and now I've stopped. You know what that is? That's unbelief. That's unbelief. Because the thing is, I, I told you before, Jesus doesn't put a whole bunch of caveats into the promise. He just basically says, you know, whatever you ask, you know, that I'm going to do. But there is a couple of, there are a couple of small caveats. They're not complicated, but there are a couple of caveats. And one of them is you have to have faith. And I want to show you this. I'll just go back to Matthew 21, 22, which I read to you before. And I want to show you one of these caveats. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Okay? So there is a caveat. You have to have faith. Okay? Well, you say, well, what is faith? Well, that is a much abused teaching nowadays. And there's a whole stream of teaching on faith that is, is, is distorted. And basically, uh, for them, for that sort of teaching is very popular today, faith is something you have to have more of. It's, the, it, it's, it's, it's like a feeling. And it's the feeling of being super confident that God's going to do exactly what I asked him to do. So if I just, I just know, I just, and so if I work up a feeling in me, and it's all about the size of your faith. So if I just work up a feeling inside of me, I just, I know I'm going to be healed. 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 Then if I work up that feeling really, really high, then I'm going to be healed. But if I wake up in the morning and I feel some doubts and I feel a little afraid, like maybe I won't be healed, then I won't be healed. And it's basically this distorted teaching about faith that essentially, they wouldn't say it, but it essentially boils down faith into a feeling. And it's all about how much faith do you have? How much feeling do you have? How much confidence do you have? And more is better and less is not as good. Now, there's a lot of problems with this. First of all, it puts the focus in your prayers in the wrong place. Because now you have people... Instead of focusing on God, you have people focusing on themselves. How much faith do I have? How confident am I? How positive am I? And you're trying to, it puts the focus in the wrong spot. Like your prayer only gets answered if your feelings of faith are high enough. The other thing that's bad about this teaching on faith is it gives a totally messed up picture of who God is. Because, it, and again, you don't say this, but this is what the belief does, is it paints a picture of God that God only answers the prayers of confident, positive people. But if you're down in the dumps, if you're afraid, if you're needy, if you're feeling a little hopeless, God doesn't answer your prayers because you've got to get positive and you've got to get some faith. And it's your faith that gets the answers to prayer. First of all, that is ridiculous. The Bible repeatedly says that God is near to who? The brokenhearted and the needy. Your prayer is not less powerful with God because you feel hopeless. It's right when you feel hopeless that you most need to pray. It's right when you're most hopeless that you most need to pray. It's right when you're most afraid that you most need to pray. It's mo right when you most 
feel what we would sometimes call doubt, but you just, you are confused and you're scared and you're down and you're dark and you're depressed and you're discouraged, it's right then that you most need to pray. And your prayers at that point in time are no less powerful than someone who is confident and positive. In fact, many of the most powerful requests I've ever had answered and that many of the saints through the years have had answered have come at their darkest places, not their highest places. So this idea that if I feel more confident, God is more likely to answer my prayer request is ridiculous. If you are discouraged and you are praying, God is listening. And his power is not less because you are sad and hopeless in your situation. That is most. You read the Psalms. That is when he wants you most to come to him and talk to him. And besides that, what it does is it gets people faking things, which again is not at all what God wants. And you have this whole thing where people, they get too extreme with this, and all they can ever do is talk positive, but sometimes they don't feel positive. They can't admit to themselves they don't feel positive because then they might not get healed or they might not get whatever. So you talk to someone, you can see they're sick. How are you doing today? Oh, ha, hallelujah, I have victory. Well, maybe I could pray with you if you actually admitted to me that you were actually feeling terrible. But we can't do that because to admit that I have a problem is to make a negative confession, which is to not have faith, which is maybe God won't answer my prayer. It's a terrible way to look at faith. And it's not biblical. Faith is not a feeling. In fact, it's not about the size of your faith. Did you know that? It has nothing to do with having more or less faith. You either have faith or you don't. That's why Jesus said, I uh, just got to remember, Luke 17, you can go look it up later. I don't have time to go into all the passages, but Luke 17 the disciples say to Jesus specifically, give us more faith. Because they, they thought, it's got to be about the size. If my faith is this big, I won't get as many prayer, answers to prayer as if my faith is this big. So he said, give us more faith. And Jesus turns around and gives a famous parable. You only need faith this big like a mustard seed. Which means, in other words, it's not about the size, guys. It's you, you have this much, you want more. He's like, all you need is this much, you have enough. You either have faith or you don't. So it's not about enough. It's not about, is my faith big enough? It's not about when you pray, I wonder if I have enough faith to see God do this miracle. You don't have to think about that one iota because the fact that you're praying means you have enough faith. See, prayer is not a feeling. Prayer is an action. It's the action of going to God. If we go back to, uh, yeah, right there. So I underline the ask and the asks. The Greek word there behind ask is aiteo, Okay which means ask, but with the Greek thing, they did their verbs, and they have different forms of the verb, okay? So these, the aiteo is, means ask in the, this verse, but it's in the form present active imperative. Don't need to remember that. Don't write it down, okay? In plain English, what that means is these verses could be, in, could be translated. It means that it's an ongoing command. It's something you keep doing. We could translate these verses, and it would be just as true. That's what the Greek is actually saying. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you for everyone who keeps on asking, receives. So there is a link here. What is faith? There's a link between faith and persistence. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is the action of going to God, and you keep going to God. This is confirmed elsewhere throughout the Gospels. Luke 18, famous parable. I'm not going to go there right now. I've looked at it a bunch of times over the last two, three years. But it's the parable of the widow 
uh, going to the unjust judge. And she goes to him again and again and again and again, and she wears him down. And at the end of it, it, he finally gives her her request. And look what Jesus says at the end of the parable. I'll put that verse up there. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? They're not just, they don't just throw up a prayer one time. They went on a kick, and they asked God a prayer request and then left it. But they cry out to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, out of this context of this parable, what is faith? Faith is going to God again and again and again and again and again until he comes through for you. It's not a feeling. You don't have to examine yourself. Do I have enough faith? If you are going to God and you haven't stopped going to God, you have faith. And he can answer anything because you just need this much. The Syrophoenician woman, Matthew 15, she goes to Jesus to ask him a request for her daughter. Her daughter is demon-possessed. The disciples are trying to shoo her away. She's bugging them. Go away, go away, go away. Finally, she, she breaks them down. They go to Jesus and say, would you please send her away? Because she was following them on the road, crying out. Like this woman was in despair. She was in discouragement. And she is not going home to her daughter without talking to Jesus. So Jesus turns around and says, basically, I'm not giving you what you want. She says again, please. He says, I'm not giving you what you want. She, he says again, no. And then she says, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. And then he says this. So she just doesn't give up. He says this, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. What was the sign of her faith? Was it a feeling? It's not a feeling. The sign that she had faith was that she didn't give up until Jesus gave her what she needed. That's faith. Faith is an action. So that prayer request you put aside last year that you were, you, God showed you this new direction. He gave you a promise. You got excited about it. Oh, Lord, we're going to... And then somewhere along the way, you got busy, you got disappointed, you got impatient, and the prayer request trailed off, and now you haven't gone to God about that. That's not faith. That's not faith. And totally, sometimes there's prayer requests that we just shouldn't pray in the first place, so you kind of trail off, and it's like, huh, um, I actually don't really want that now that I think of it. And that's, I'm not talking about that. But there are prayer requests that you desire now that are good requests that you went to God about, and you've stopped asking him. The promise is for those who have faith, those who keep on asking. Those who keep on asking. Asking, and this has to do with anything, whether you're praying for wisdom, for some decision to make, or anything. James 1 says this, if any of you, any, notice again, it's not the super spiritual, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Another blanket promise, unbelievable promise. But, next verse, let him ask in faith. That means you don't just go to God for a week. You got on a kick and you prayed for guidance. He didn't give it to you in the week, so you gave up. And then later on you say, he doesn't talk. You stopped before he came through, which means you don't really believe that he's going to come through. You didn't have the faith to keep going. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. One day you ask God, and then the next day, I'm done with that. Driven and tossed this way and that by the wind. Verse 7, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. So you say, okay, Chris, so that is, that's like, you know, one of the only caveats in Scripture around the promise of anything you ask. So you say, okay, whoa. 
anything I ask, if I just have faith, which means I'm going to keep going to God, what you're saying is, is that Jesus is going to give me exactly word for word whatever I put in my prayer journal. Well, two things. First of all, it's not about what I'm saying. It's about what Jesus is saying. Let's keep going back to that. This, is, this message does not rise and fall on me. This is not I'm going to go out of here and see if Chris was right. This is Jesus daring us to go out and see if he's right. But second of all, he doesn't say he'll give you exactly word for word what you, what you pray for. He does say anyone who goes to him is going to receive. But he doesn't say you're going to receive exactly word for word the thing you pray for. And actually in some cases, let me just say this, one of the things I'm actually thankful for is that God hasn't answered all my requests exactly the way I wanted them answered. Isn't that true? Because I've prayed some requests in the past that if they had come true exactly how I wanted them to, wouldn't be good for me now. But he does promise if I go to him, he will give me. Well, what will he give me? The parameter here is good gifts. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks will be open. Now we go to verse 9 there. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Now the, and we'll go to the next one. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Now the converse is also true. If you ask him for a serpent, he's not going to give it to you. Okay? It, I mean, sometimes we're immature. If, if, if uh, you know, your three-year-old son, you go to him, you know, and you're there at Canadian Tire, he sees a very sharp hunting knife. Daddy, daddy, I want that. Do you give it to him? No, you say, you'll have to wait till your fourth birthday, son, and then you can have at it. <laughs> right? I got to ask for good gifts, okay? Now, you're also not going to just ignore him. You're not going to say, oh, you dummy, asking a kind of a request. Like, no, at least I hope you wouldn't. Or you're a bad parent, okay? <laughs> but you give him a good gift. You might not give him exactly what he wants, but you'll give him, in that case, but you'll give him a good gift. You still respond as a parent, right? Okay, so if you ask for a fish, we'll give him a servant. If you then, who are evil, if you then, who are evil, we're messed up people. If we love our kids like this, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So let me give you the statement now. Everyone who goes to God receives good things. Everyone. It doesn't matter what you go to him. Even if you go to him and in your immaturity, you ask him for something that isn't ultimately actually good for you, you still haven't wasted your prayer. You still haven't wasted your prayer because it was the act of going to him. He says, okay, son, daughter, what you're asking me here is actually, I know it's going to cause you heartache down the road. It's not good for you. It's like your kids. They always come to you for candy. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll do it. Sometimes because you love them and you're generous, you'll, you'll give them an ice cream cone. You'll, you'll give them the candy, but you won't always do it because you know ultimately you'll give them a tummy ache. But if they come to you respectfully in love and there's relationship there, when they come to you and ask, you always give them good things. The Father is way better than we are to our kids, way beyond in generosity and kindness. He says, everyone who comes to me, everyone, all the time, if you keep on asking and you come to me for something you need, even if what you ask for I know in the future is a little bit off, I'll, I'll, I still promise to answer the prayer request. I'll just answer it better. That's the promise. Now, that's amazing. I remember in, in university, before I met LaDawn, there was a girl I liked, and uh, she dropped me like a sack of potatoes. And 
That hurts. In a moment, it hurts, okay? So you don't like that. But you, you pray to God, right? You want to marry a, a wife. You want to have a wife. And, and then it feels like, oh, and then it, it hurts a bit. But little, I didn't know all kinds of things that God knew when I prayed. I didn't know that, well, first of all, some things would happen a little later on that would make me go, whew, whew, thank you, Lord. I also didn't know that we basically a year later I would meet LaDon, who's my wife today, who we just fit so perfectly together. And we just, it's, it's so amazing. And doing life with her and her character and doing ministry with her, it's amazing. And so I go, wow, God. Now, I look back at some of the prayers I prayed earlier before I knew about LaDon. Were those prayers wasted? No, they were answered. They were answered better. So the promise always holds true, even though it's not like, it's not a formula where I can just write down whatever I want and God gives me exactly that. No, 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 There's all out of relationship. As I seek him, but I need things and I go to him and it's not just about super spiritual things. It's about anything that's in my heart. As I go to him, it's not like, okay, well, Chris shared that example about vacation. I really would not want to go to Hawaii and so, Lord, here we go. I want Hawaii this year. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus, we're doing it. Hawaii, 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 Hawaii. Now, if you're just trying to get something from him without relationship, just forget about the whole thing, okay? But if you're pursuing him, did you, family vacation, did you know it's actually important? It's actually good. It's actually a good gift. So you can go to God. Maybe it's not, and he might know something better. He might know something that fits you. And you go to him and say, Lord, oh, Jesus, I, I, I don't have hours to pray about this one. I got all kinds of other issues in my life, but I'm putting it on my list. And I, I just, I want to, place where we can build memories with our kids and da 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 and you go to him for a good gift and now he will always give good gifts to those who ask he always gives good gifts to those who ask so let's finish with a couple of practical tips three practical tips this is your weekly challenge three practical tips number one uh, be specific in your prayer requests even, even if, in the end, you're, in your immaturity or in your not knowing the future, what you're asking for is a little bit off from what God wants to give you. It's never wasted. And often our prayer requests are far too vague, and when they're vague, they don't engage our hearts. And when our hearts aren't engaged, we just run out of steam. We don't pray. Like when you just pray, Lord, I want my marriage healed, what does that mean? How does your heart even engage with that? What, what is it you really want him to do? So you don't just pray, okay, you might want your marriage healed. But now it's time to talk to God. It's time to take the dust off of your feelings. It's time for you to say, Lord, what is it I want you to do in my marriage? And then you start to talk to him about that. Lord, I would just like, there's this one area, it's finances, it's sexual intimacy, it's whatever it is. There's this one area in our marriage that's totally off limits. We can't talk about it. It causes fights. It's this box. And you start to get specific and you say, Lord, I want, you to, I, I want to be able to open up that box. I want to have oneness with my spouse in that area. It's off limits right now. It just causes fights. It's, it's, but I want, and you start praying, and now you get specific. Your heart engages. Oh, now that's a prayer request I can see an answer to. That's something real. Be specific. Be specific. There's something about being specific that just engages the heart. You know, Lord, I'm, I'm, not just, I'm not just praying, God, I want my kid turned around. What does that mean? How would you know when it was answered? 
So Lord, what is it that I really desire? Lord, I, I pray that they would start to open up to me, that we could talk about feelings. He starts to talk to him about that. Now he gives you some ideas. Now he convicts you of something. Well, maybe they're not sharing because you're not sharing. And you go back and forth, and suddenly you have a prayer request you can really pray about, that you can see movement on. Be specific. Remembering that everyone who asks receives good gifts. Start a journal for keeping track. I would recommend you do it on a computer somewhere. If you just write it down, it gets lost, you throw it out, whatever. But whatever, it's not, there's nothing magic about a computer, obviously. It's just what I would suggest, not to bury it somewhere that you'll never look at it again. It's the kind of journal you, you want to keep track. What, have, what is it? What is it that you are asking God, you write it down, and there's something about writing it down that makes it concrete. As long as you just think your prayers, they feel wispy. They feel ethereal. They're not real. They're just out there floating around. Are they even... The moment you write it down and you date it and you start to pray about it, it feels concrete. Now I've really brought something to God. Help your heart engage with it. Okay? And lastly, as you're writing it down, you sort of journal. Break it down for the big request. Break it down into smaller requests. Break it down into smaller requests. So if you're praying, you know, so-and-so, my kid or my spouse or whatever, I want them saved. Well, if they're not, like this is probably a prayer request that's going to be longer than a week or a month. It might be a five-year, ten-year project. Do you have a journal? Do you have a journal where you put that person there and you start to talk to God and you get promises and you pray and then he shows you smaller things because if you just pray about the same thing, you don't see any movement for ten years. That can be discouraging. But when you're praying smaller things like, Lord, I just pray he'd be open to come into a Christmas thing this year. And God gives you promises and you pray like crazy. And then a person comes and you're like, God is listening. I mean, they're not saved yet. It's all under the umbrella of this bigger thing, but these smaller ones, they encourage you. You can see God moving. Break it into smaller chunks. All of your huge ones. Talk to God about them. Begin to break them into smaller chunks because that one big umbrella prayer request might get answered after a hundred smaller ones that totally filled you with joy and made you fall in love with Jesus. That's my weekly challenge. Just do that this week. Start a journal. Put some things down. And start to pray about them because everyone who asks receives. Let's pray. Then we're going to sing. Father, what an amazing promise you've given us. Those who pray and pray and pray and seek you, those who pray and pray and pray and seek you, always, every single time, receive. And Lord, sometimes I know there's also suffering and we know that. And sometimes we aren't healed the way we'd like to be. But even in the midst of that, you promise to receive. If we seek you about that thing, you will meet us in that thing. And sometimes you'll just plain give us yourself and that'll be better than it all. So I thank you for that. I thank you for these promises and my prayers that this week we're going to see an explosion of answers to prayer in our personal lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at www.myselfland.com.